Today on Event or Else, the Beyonder destroys a train, acquires a traveling companion, and picks a fight with the Celestials. I mean, if that's not a cry for help, then I don't know what is. Here it is, folks. Check your pace and wash your face. It's time for Event or Else, the podcast where I go through most every major Marvel and DC event, one issue at a time, one episode at a time, because, hey, I'm just trying to keep up with the Joneses, but in a podcast sense, if you feel what I'm putting out there. I'm your host, my name is Steven, and today we take one more step along this perplexing passage of comic book confoundment that most folks call Secret Wars 2. And this time around, we reach the halfway point with issue number five. I mean, technically, we reach the halfway point about halfway into this issue because, you know, math. I mean, (laughs) this is a nine issue limited series, right? Half of nine is 4.5. So, yeah. It was my understanding that there would be no math. Anyway, Secret Wars 2 issue number five sports a cover date of November 1985, but it actually hit the stands in August. It sold for 75 cents, and it is entitled Despair. This issue was written by Jim Shooter with pencils by Al Milgram, inks by Steve Lealoha and Joseph Rubenstein, and the letters were by Joe Rosen and Rick Parker. As the issue opens, the Beyonder is walking down a stretch of railroad tracks outside of Washington, D.C. He's just minding his own business and singing the song Ain't No Sunshine by Bill Withers, which, if you're interested, comes from his 1971 album, Just As I Am, which was produced by Booker T. Jones. The song was released as a single in 1971, becoming a breakthrough hit for Withers, reaching number six on the U.S. R&B chart and number three on the Billboard Hot 100 chart. In fact, Billboard ranked it as the number 23 song for 1971. Thanks, Wikipedia. I looked it up on the Wikipedia. Anyway, as the Beyonder is walking the rails, he hears the unmistakable sound of an oncoming train. I mean, actually, he doesn't hear the train at all. Not at first, which really speaks to how lost he was in either some deep godlike Beyonder thoughts, or he was just focused on belting out his version of Ain't No Sunshine by Bill Withers, which originally released as the B-side to another song called Harlem. But Ain't No Sunshine was preferred by disc jockeys, and it became a huge hit for Bill Withers. His first, in fact. The Wikipedia. Wikipedia, the free encyclopedia. The word you're looking for is... Anyway... (laughs) So yeah, the Beyonders kicking rocks along these train tracks, lost in either himself or his song when the piercing blast of an air horn slaps him back to reality and draws his attention to the thousands of tons of screaming metal bearing down on him. But he ain't worried. Nah. The Beyonder just simply points a finger gun at the train, his jacket tossed casually back across a shoulder, and says the word, bang. The train suddenly pulls apart, disassembling all around him, tossing passengers both to and fro. With the threat of the train no more, the Beyonder continues along the tracks, not a care in the world, with that jacket still slung over his shoulder. I mean, the dude might as well be whistling as the conglomeration of confused commuters congregate chaotically on all sides. This moment was brought to you by the word alliteration. 
Alliteration, the conspicuous repetition of initial consonant sounds of nearby words in a phrase. Get yourself some alliteration today and be the big hit at your next party. Anyway, as the Beyonder strolls along, leaving the train and the passengers behind him, one of the train's former occupants, a teenage girl, rushes to catch up to him. She assumes that the one from beyond is a mutant, considering that he took the train apart with nary a tool in sight, and she confesses that she too is a mutant. Her name is Tabitha, though most folks call her Boom Boom on account of her mutant ability to create energy time bombs. She's on her way to Westchester up in New York because she's heard rumors of a place there for mutants, like a school or something, and she figures that since he's like a mutant or something too, he could totally go with her. Like, gross me out the door. <laughs> the Beyonder doesn't really give much of a crap what she does, and so the two set off. That evening, with darkness all around, the Beyonder uses his powers to instantly set up camp, and they settle in for the night, warming themselves by the campfire. Boom Boom opens up to the one from beyond, divulging to him that her father, upon learning that she was a mutant, became abusive and tried to beat the mutant out of her. She then gives the Beyonder a demonstration of her power, creating a marble-sized ball of energy and tossing it into one of the tents. The ball of energy explodes, reducing the tent to scraps of fabric and splintered wood. Well, you know the old saying, nothing bonds a godlike being from outer space with a teenage mutant like explosions. And so the Beyonder tells his story, how he's from beyond, and of course, how he fell in love with Allison Blair, the marvelous mutant musician known as Dazzler. He goes through the entire affair about how he took her to romantic locations, gave her everything she ever wanted, and even bestowing upon her a bit of his own powers, transforming her into his equal. But alas, she kicked him to the curb, and now he's all alone and sad and stuff. Thank you. Eventually, the conversation turns to death, as it always does, and the Beyonder decides to bounce. And so, following a hug from Boom Boom, the one from beyond is in the wind. He teleports himself back to his own dimension, which is super boring. I mean, remember that scene in The Matrix where Neo goes into the construct? You know, the loading program that's just a white, empty, endless void, and then like an infinite number of infinitely long shelves full of an infinite amount of guns slide in out of nowhere? Well, the Beyonder's home is like that. It just doesn't have all the cool guns and shelves and stuff. It's the nothingness. The whiteness. The endlessness. So yeah, as he floats there in the endless nothingness, his mind percolates on the idea of going disincorporate so that he can fill the void and become the beyond realm once again. The state of existence he was in previously before his attention was drawn to a little something called human existence. But then he realizes that if he does that, he won't have all of his stuff anymore, you know? like his Lamborghini and his Cuisinart and all those material things that he has since become rather attached to. So he hits upon the idea of creating a new existence, a new reality for himself here in the beyond realm, a place with all his stuff. In fact, he could even create a duplicate version of Dazzler to spend the rest of eternity with him or possibly even bring along the real thing. But 
No, that's not why he came home. He just wants to get back to being what he used to be and forget all about human existence. It's as he settles into the idea that one of Boom Boom's time bombs, one which she must have slipped into his back pocket when they hugged, explodes, blowing out the back of his pants, making him look like the ramifications of an especially gnarly gas attack. I bet the Hulk gets those all the time. Am I right? Meanwhile, back on Earth, Boom Boom is standing somewhere along Interstate 96, thumb out, trying to hitch a ride. Suddenly, a sweet set of wheels pulls over and she opens the door to reveal that the Beyonder is behind the wheel. He forces her into the car, but promises that he's not going to hurt her, then proves it by healing her swollen black eye, a gift from her father, and the inspiration behind her ducking out on her parents to quest for a secret mutant school in upstate New York. The one from beyond has decided to help Boom Boom, and so he drives her to the secret mutant school, otherwise known as Professor Xavier's School for Gifted Youngsters and the home of the X-Men. When they arrive, Boom Boom exits the car, and the Beyonder tells her to beat it and promises to come back if she ever needs him. All she has to do is yell. Boom Boom approaches the front door of the X-Mansion and knocks. It's not long before the door opens, answered by Peter Colossus Rasputin and Rachel Summers. Rachel spies the Beyonder, who hasn't left yet, and is still chilling out there in the car, and she recognizes him at once, calling out his identity. The very next instant, a scrum of mutants in full costume come crowding out the door, ready to fight. Kitty Pride, Cannonball, Colossus, Wolfsbane, Sunspot, Rachel Summers, Nightcrawler, Warlock, and Wolverine speed by, leaving Boom Boom to stand slack-jawed on the front porch as they all pile atop the Beyonder's ride slashing and punching their way through the windshield and doors to get to the one from beyond, who's still just sitting there behind the wheel. The Beyonder yawns before expelling the mutants from his car in a blast of telekinetic force and then screeches away, leaving a bit of rubber behind on old Charlie X's driveway. Rachel shouts out to her teammates to chase after him, adding a little psionic persuasiveness to the command, clearing the front lawn of mutants, who all race after the Beyonder, leaving Boom Boom alone and frightened on the front stoop. In tears, Boom Boom runs into the woods before the X-Men and the New Mutants return empty-handed. Wolverine's none too happy with Rachel for using her mental powers to persuade him to chase after the Beyonder, but really, what's he going to do? Meanwhile, deep in the woods, Boom Boom sobs and calls out to the Beyonder, begging him to come back threatening to blow herself up if he doesn't come get her. To show that she's serious, she creates a time bomb the size of a large beach ball and kneels down next to it before starting her countdown. She embraces the bomb and it explodes. But as the smoke clears, Boom Boom is still alive and the Beyonder has come for her, saving her life. The Beyonder then takes Boom Boom into space to the world complex, the home office of the Celestials. There, he shows her the sights, and as they have lunch, he begins bragging about his powers, about how even the Celestials are afraid of him. She doesn't believe him, and so he throws himself a little tantrum before flying off to confront the Celestials to show her how bad he is. You ain't bad! You ain't nothing! You ain't nothing! In an effort to goad the Celestials into a fight, the Beyonder threatens to blow up the universe if they don't start throwing hands. They ignore him, calling his bluff, and so he takes things to the next level 
powering up to do just what he had threatened to do and everything. Shit just got real. The Celestials attack and the one from beyond throws down, smacking the giants around like they were nothing. Doing nothing! All while exclaiming in glee how cool the battle must look to all the lesser beings below. Making short work of the space gods, the Beyonder returns to Boom Boom, a spring in his step and a smile on his face, because he's just proven how cool he really is. The problem, however, is that Boom Boom doesn't quite agree. She's more than a little upset that her Beyond Bud was about to kill her and all of existence over some sort of interstellar pissing contest. The Beyonder just laughs and he tells her to chill. After all, he wasn't really going to destroy the universe. I was kidding! I was only kidding! Boom Boom ain't buying it though. And so to try to smooth things over, the Beyonder uses his powers to change her face to make her pretty. She doesn't like it, telling him that that's not what she wants, so he makes her look older, like a 21-year-old, but she doesn't want that either. Making one last attempt to win her over, he makes her normal, taking away her mutant powers. This only makes her more angry, telling him that all she wants is for him to take her back to Earth and then leave her alone forever. He acquiesces, sending her back in an instant. Angry and hurt, and probably feeling a little embarrassed as he begins to realize what an ass he has been, the Beyonder flies his car back to Earth, to his mansion in Brazil, where he takes some time to check in on Algrim the Elf, the Thor bad guy that the Beyonder had reanimated back in the previous issue. Pulling the image up on his giant TV, he watches as the monster elf continues to make his way across the ocean floor, walking in a direct path to the United States and his enemy, Thor. Bored, the Beyonder puts on a Dazzler record and collapses into his chair, a deep sadness coming over him as he listens to the love of his life croon away on the hi-fi. Meanwhile, back in Westchester, Boom Boom uses a payphone to call the Avengers hotline to turn in the Beyonder. She speaks to the Wasp, and the two of them put together a plan. Boom Boom goes back out into the woods, to the campsite she shared with the Beyonder earlier in the issue, and she starts calling out to him. The Beyonder shows up, and he is just tickled pink that she's no longer mad at him. In fact, she hugs him, squeezing him tight, as he tells her that he was about to end it, end his life. But it was hearing her voice calling out to him that changed his mind. It's as the Beyonder is telling Boom Boom that she saved his life, that she lets go of him and runs away. He is, of course, curious why she would do such a thing, but his curiosity is cut short by an explosion in his pants. She did it to him again, but this time with a much more powerful explosive. It doesn't kill him, of course. I mean, he is the freaking beyonder after all, but it does knock him to the ground and thoroughly dazed as he's trying to pick himself up, the Avengers attack. It's both teams, the East and West Coast Avengers, Wonder Man, Star Fox, She-Hulk, Hercules, Thor, Iron Man, Black Knight, Mockingbird, Hawkeye, Tigra, Wasp, and Captain America. But that's not all. The Fantastic Four are there as well. And so is Doctor Strange. The heroes throw everything they have at him, punching and kicking and shooting and blasting and bashing and smashing in a fury of flying fists and hammers and shields and laser beams and arrows and all that stuff. They just plain don't let up. Until finally, realizing that the Beyonder isn't fighting back, 
Cap calls a halt. As the heroes mill about questioning Cap's leadership skills, and as the Beyonder, looking every bit the sad sack, pulls himself off the ground, Captain America shouts the 10 words to the Beyonder that most every person of color has heard one time or another from someone wearing the flag. Why don't you just just go back back where you came came from? from? The Beyonder, rather than replying or responding in any fashion, just walks away, his head bent and his hands in his pockets, the very personification of the Charlie Brown sad walk, as made famous by Arrested Development, the American television sitcom created by Michael Hurwitz that aired on Fox for three seasons, from November 2nd, 2003 to February 10th, 2006, and was followed by two seasons on Netflix, season four being released in 2013, and season five being released in 2018 and 2019. Thanks again, Wikipedia. I don't know. I looked it up on the Wikipedia. The heroes watch as the Beyonder sad walks away, and they do absolutely nothing. They just let him go under the hope that maybe, maybe he eventually wanders home. What they don't know, however, is that while, yes, the Beyonder is heading home, he's going there to end his life once and for all. And that, dear listeners, is how our issue ends. I mean, good Lord. This one really lives up to the title, am I right? Despair! This was a dark one, especially there at the end. So, let's talk about the issue. We'll start with the cover. We have the Beyonder in a purple suit, his purple jumpsuit thing that he's been wearing that he has different versions of in different colors, and he's laying on the ground. He looks all beat up, and surrounding him are the Avengers and the Fantastic Four and Doctor Strange. They've obviously just beaten him down. And it says, Beyonder bites the dust. This, for me, is a classic cover. When I think back to Secret Wars 2 and I think back to the covers, this one immediately leaps to mind. It's, it's one I remember seeing a lot back then. Now, before we really get into the story, I do want to mention that this issue features the first appearance of Tabitha Boom Boom Smith, who... According to MarvelFandom.com, was just 13 years old in this issue. I, I, I had no idea. I knew she was a teenager, but I didn't realize that she was only 13 years old. Now, after her appearance, her first appearance here in this issue, she then goes on to be like this big part of the X universe, becoming first a fairly major character in the X Factor books, starting with issue number 11 in September of 1996, and then she goes on to make appearances in just a great big bunch of X-Books, such as uh, New Mutants, X-Force, Uncanny X-Men, Wolverine, and Cable, and she's still making appearances in the comic books today. So this is where it started, folks, and she's, she's still alive and well in the Marvel Universe 616. I did rather enjoy the opening scene where the Beyonder basically blows up the train. It's not like an explosion. He literally takes apart the train. We just see it suddenly separate all the various pieces. None of it breaks. You could, I guess, easily go in if you had the right tools and put it all back together like a freaking Lego set. He just literally takes it apart. You see nuts and bolts flying and sheet metal and, and all that stuff. And then, of course, the the people on board are, are, are flying all over the place and they're all freaking out and running across the tracks and trying to gather up their luggage and figure out what's going on. And the freaking Beyonder just walks away with his, his jacket, like I said, casually thrown over his shoulder, like, like nothing 
nothing has happened. It's not, it's just, you know, a regular thing for the Beyonder to destroy trains. And it's here, of course, like the, the synopsis said that he meets Boom Boom. They don't spend a lot of time together before he finally leaves. And we kind of get a better idea of who the Beyonder was before Secret Wars, before he pulls all the heroes and the villains together, you know, before he notices human existence. He was basically the beyond dimension. That's what he was. He wasn't like a person living in the beyond dimension. He was the beyond dimension. It was just this empty void. And he was that. That's who he was. This disincorporate being godlike creature that was nothingness. Basically, it's kind of weird. And it's it's when he notices human existence that he you know, pulls them all onto the battle world, creates the battle world. He's still just a disincorporate being at that point. It's not until this series, Secret Wars 2, that he turns himself into a, a human being. And I love that he, he's basically getting kind of depressed. He's, he's, he's trying to make a place for him, you know, himself on Earth, and it's not working out. Everything he tries, it's just not giving him what he needs. And so he decides here in this issue that he's going to go back to being the beyond realm. He's going to go disincorporate. But I like the fact that he realizes that he can't take all his stuff with him. The one thing that he's really gotten out of being human and being on earth is that he's fallen in love with just crap, cars and phones and gadgets and games and toys. And he just loves having stuff. And that's what kind of causes him to change his mind about going back to the beyond realm or being the beyond realm. Of course, it doesn't help that uh, Boom Boom put a freaking time bomb in his pants and it blows up and that that ultimately causes him to go back to Earth. But he doesn't go back to hurt her. He wants to help her. The, the scene where the X-Men just all come piling out of the X-Mansion and just literally carpet his car as he's sitting inside yawning and they're all just smashing and bashing away at the car trying to get to him that was pretty funny rachel summers obviously she's just all kinds of obsessed with destroying the beyonder i i don't know why any of these heroes have not quite learned yet that there's nothing they can do against this guy they keep trying and there's there's literally nothing that they can do i mean he is a freaking god and it just hasn't quite dawned on any of them that there's nothing they can do but yet they they keep trying and i guess that's the uh we're supposed to feel like, you know, the, these superheroes will, will, will go above and beyond. They're not going to stop trying to take out the Beyonder. It's supposed to make us feel good, I guess. I don't know. When the Beyonder then takes Boom Boom into space, it felt very much like, uh, like a Doctor Who episode where, you know, Doctor Who has a companion and he, he takes the, his, the companion around to different times and places in space to show them around and, and just basically go, hey, look how cool I am and look what I can do. And that's that's what this scene felt like. He, he takes her to this world complex. He brags about being all powerful. He, he beats up the Celestials to show her how cool he is. And I, I wonder if Jim Shooter got any inspiration from Doctor Who just for that particular scene. It, it was kind of a weird scene. It was kind of a weird, almost interlude where he's just like, all right, well, uh, I took you to the X mansion that didn't quite work out. Uh, and then I left, but now I'm back cause you know, you needed help. And so I'm going to take you into space and I'm going to show you around and I'm going to beat up the celestials. It just, it seemed pretty weird. And then when she's angry at him, 
you know, he tries to he tries to to do something to get her to like him again. And the first thing she does or the first thing he does is he makes her pretty. And he says, you know, I know that's what you've always wanted. She never mentions that as far as I know in the issue. She never tells him deep down. I just want to be pretty. She never seems to talk about it. So, uh, you know, again, he is an omniscient, all powerful being. So I guess he just kind of pulled that from her head that she does not consider herself to be pretty. And that's that's something that she's always wanted to be. And so he does that for her. She doesn't like it. So he makes her old because she's well old for her. 21 for her seems old because she's 13. She doesn't like that either. So he takes her mutant powers away from her because, you know, most mutants, they don't they don't want to be mutants anymore. But she's not having any of it. She's pretty pissed off at him. And so she demands that he take her home. And so he does. He teleports her back home. And then she immediately calls the Avengers and says, hey, the Beyonders here on Earth. I need you to help me stop him. And just this giant freaking group of superheroes it's it's supposed to be i mean it really should be this great epic scene with all these heroes attacking the beyonder and it literally lasts two and a half panels really the 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 big fight between all these heroes and the beyonder and when cap notices that the beyonder isn't fighting back he's like all right everybody back away back away he he's not doing anything to defend himself we can't just sit here and beat him senseless even though they all know that they can't because he's a freaking god, but whatever. And uh, so they all kind of back off and the rest of the Avengers are like, Cap's going soft. You know, they they don't quite understand what's going on. And the Beyonder just picks himself up off the ground. He's looking very sad. He's, he's you know, on the verge of tears. He's like, don't look at me. I got something in my eye. And then he just wanders off and they just let him. They just let him walk off. You know, they just let him walk away and hope. Oh, that he's going home. That seems kind of counterproductive for the Avengers. It just, they're there to stop him. And then they stop themselves from stopping him because he's allowing them to stop him. And then they just let him go. It just seems really stupid. It's a a stupid thing for the Avengers and the Fantastic Four and Doctor Strange to do. It just, it seemed really weird. And at one point, Dr. Strange is like, perhaps the girl Tabitha might shed some light upon the situation because the Beyonder says as he's walking away, Captain America hears him say something about 10 points. I win. And Cap doesn't understand what that's about. None of them do. There's there's a moment near the beginning of the story where Boom Boom is talking to him about life and how it's kind of a game. And, and anytime something bad happens to you, you earn points or something. I don't quite remember. It was kind of dumb. And, you know, the whole story is kind of dumb. But again, I just it's kind of a weird, weird way for them to end this issue with just them letting the Beyonder go. The Everything about this series so far has been, you know, anytime that the heroes enter into it, they're like, oh, my God, we got to stop the Beyonder. He's going to destroy everything. He's he's got this potential to wink out existence with the snap of a finger. We've got to stop him. And then when they finally get to the point where it seems like they are, you know, going to be able to stop him, they just they let him go and cross their fingers that uh, he's just going to go home and leave him alone. That's that's uh, that's pretty stupid. <laughs> you know when it comes down to it that's a bit of writing that i just don't quite understand and then so as we get there to the end of the issue they tell us what what what's coming up it says next the story continues in powerful fashion in the thing number 30 
wherein Ben Grimm battles the Beyonder one-on-one in a death match. I think this is the time in the thing's comic book history where he had started wrestling for the like the unlimited weight class, super powerful superhero or superhuman superpower wrestling federation or whatever they were called. So I'm assuming that's what that's all about. Goes on to say that in Doctor Strange number 74, Doctor Strange makes the choice, which will ultimately condemn the entire multiverse to destruction, which sounds like a big plot point, you know, (laughs) to be thrown into a tie-in issue. I don't know what that's all about. Uh, In Fantastic Four number 285, the Beyonder plays a critical role in the most moving, dramatic tale you'll read all year as the Human Torch prepares to end his career forever. And I don't know, there's nothing about the Human Torch wanting to end his career that makes me feel moved or makes me feel like there's any drama going on. Because I honestly, I could give a crap about Johnny Storm and his career. He is such an asshole at this point in, in the Marvel Universe. If, if you read Secret Wars, he was such a dick in that entire series. And he has been quite the dick since he became the Human Torch. He's just so mean to the thing that I just, I could give a crap what he's going to do with his career. Now, I'm not reading the Fantastic Four. I did at the time. I remember reading it. So maybe John Byrne is doing something to make us care about Johnny Storm. I don't remember. It's been years and years and years since I read those stories. But thinking back to the last memory I have of Johnny Storm as of recently, as of this time in the comics, was the Secret Wars, the the series before this, the, the event. And like I said, he was a super dick in that series, so I could care less what's going on with his career. Uh, It continues one month from now. The threads of our cosmic saga are gathered again in Secret Wars number six, which guest stars Cloak and Dagger, Power Pack, Thor, Beta Ray Bill, and virtually all of Marvel's ultra-cosmic entities, such as Eon, the In-Betweener. Don't know that I've ever heard of that one before, the In-Betweener. That's, I, I tell you what, I'm most looking forward to issue number six, just to find out who the frick the in-betweener is. We also get the living tribunal, chaos, order, galactus, death, and many more. It's the cosmic event of all time. So it says, don't miss life rules. So that's, that's what's going to be next is life rules. Issue number six. Um, I still don't feel like we really need to be reading any of these tie-in issues. I know that the big thing when I started in on this was the fear, the, the, the understanding that I have gotten or had gotten from others that this is one of those events that is not going to make any sense unless you read the, the tie-in issues. And having really not read any of the time, having not really read any of those tie-in issues, especially over the last, you know, since issue number two of this series, because I did read the issues between one and two uh, last year. And I kind of remember them, but I just, each time I I pick up one of these issues of Secret Wars 2, I don't come into it feeling lost. I don't come into it not understanding what's going on. Now, if I can remember correctly in issue four, I think it ended and he was in New York City. And this opens up outside of Washington, D.C. So probably the only question I would have at that point is how did he get to Washington, D.C.? But Honestly, I, I, I didn't even that that didn't enter my brain. It's just it's the beyonder. He can teleport anywhere he wants, anywhere in existence. 
in the blink of an eye. So the fact that he went from New York City to Washington, D.C., in between those is- issues didn't didn't mean anything to me. It didn't pique my curiosity in any way. So, yeah, uh, each episode at the end, I asked that question. Should we be reading the tie-in issues? Am I lost because of it? No. I mean, again, the story is just a giant cluster at this point. It's just all about the Beyonder trying to be human and failing each and every time and suffering loss, falling in love and then suffering loss. And then, you know, gain, he keeps gaining and then losing. And good God, if that's not human existence, I don't know what is. So at least Jim Shooter has that down right. You know, life is all about winning and then losing and ups and downs and feeling good about yourself only to have the rug pulled out from underneath you and then making you feel utterly depressed. So yeah, beyond the the cluster that this series has become, that it really started out being, I mean, when you think about everything that's happened so far, just in these five issues, there's just been so much. I mean, there's been so, so much that's happened and yet nothing has happened at the same time. It's such a weird, weird event for for, you know, to be this tentpole series of books during this time in Marvel Comics for, you know, all this, all this stuff to happen and yet nothing happening at the same time. I find it very funny and I'm enjoying the crap out of it. You know, if you go into it with this mindset that this is not going to be good, but it's going to be fun and crazy and not in a, uh, you know, I don't know. It's not like a genius fun and crazy. It's just so stupid that it's fun. It's like watching the, the, I don't, I don't remember the name of that movie. There's a bunch of movies that are like that. And I'm wasting time now as I'm talking about nothing. Anyway, join us back here next week. We're going to look at issue number six, life rules. And until then, just remember folks, if you want to take out an otherworldly godlike being, just make them fall in love because that will destroy anyone. Bye. Event or Else is a Stephen or Else production. Find more great podcasts at stephenorelse.com. Questions and comments can be directed to eventorelse at gmail.com. You can support the show for as little as a dollar a month over at the Patreon by going to patreon.com slash stephenrorr. And in return, I'm going to do my very best to get you and your fellow patrons episodes just like this one before anybody else. I also encourage you to rate the show wherever available and share this episode with a friend. All links will be in the show notes. There's a snore. Uh, that may go at the end of the sentence. It better. Here it is, folks. Check your pace and watch. Here it is, folks. Check your pace and wash your face. It's time for Event or Else, the podcast where I go through most every fart knocking stupid face. Stop it. Stop it. Guys, one more time. Stop it. To show that she's serious, she creates a time bomb. The lie. His head's. His head's. Go away.